Listen, I want you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 5, because John chapter 5 has been speaking to me, and I believe it'll speak to you. And I say this as often as I can, but I want to encourage you, every time you hear a scripture in church here, every time you hear a passage, offering message, you know, prayer moment, sermon, podcast, look that scripture up for yourself, because God wants to speak to you, right? God did not commission me, release me, and ordain me so that I could speak on behalf of God to you, and you could never hear from God. Like, we're doing this together. You actually can hear from God. You might not ever preach a sermon up on this platform, but I'm telling you, I want a church full of people that they're the best preachers they know. You got to be the best preacher you know, because I'm not going to show up in your bedroom on Monday and preach to you a sermon when the enemy's trying to tell you a lie about what he's called you to do. You need to be able to preach to yourself. You need to be able to open God's word and give your spirit and your soul the sermon that it needs in the moment that you are in. So I want to encourage you to get in a habit to write down the passage of scripture that you're going to hear today and read it for yourself throughout the week. But we're going to take a look at John chapter 5 verses 1 through 15 and see what God would have to say to us. Uh, first one begins with sometime later. So obviously something happened before this in John chapter 4. Um, but I don't have time to read that. John chapter 4 is incredible. Read it. And then you realize what happened before because right now it says sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. This was a time where God had commanded seven festivals a year for people to go and celebrate. And although God doesn't command that we celebrate festivals seven times a year, I really wish we still did because some of you are overdue for a celebration. It's like you're so expectant of what God is going to do, you stop celebrating what he's already done. And what gives you the strength, the joy of the Lord is your strength. What gives you the joy to, get, to take hold of what God has for you is by celebrating what God has already done for you. I feel like we should just start ordaining celebration. Some people are clapping right now because they want to celebrate what God has done. And if you're not clapping, I want to encourage you to. Don't clap for me. Clap for Jesus. He's already done so much for you. He's already done so much for you. One of the things we do as parents is we celebrate our kids. We celebrate our kids. They can, they can make a picture, and half the time, not even half the time, 90% of the time, I don't even know what it is. But I celebrate. A good father celebrates ugly pictures. And let me tell you something. I don't know what your walk with God looks like. It might look like an ugly picture, and you might be handing it to God like, this is all I got. And God's like, yeah, this is amazing. At least you broke out the markers and you're trying. God celebrates you. Come on, anybody got an ugly picture they're presenting to God the Father today? Come on, I'm giving mine to God right now. Come on. Anybody call crayons crowns? <laughs> I learned when I was 37, they're Crayolas. Jesus commanded them to celebrate seven times a year. And so they were at one of these Jewish festivals. And it's interesting how a party could be going on over here and we're getting ready to, 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 to read about somebody who needs a healing in the middle of a party. You ever feel like that? You need something from God? Somebody over here is partying and celebrating and you need a healing. 
We're going to read about what, what happened of this. It says, now, there in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, there was, there was this pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonies. This was nice. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked them, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. It's important that we understand the historical context because historical context helps us get better revelation about who Jesus is or what is going on. And this is important historical context I want to tell you about that by reading this passage of scripture, I know that this place was not in the hood because they were gathered around the pool. And if it had been in the hood, they'd have been gathered around the sprinklers so they can run through them and get their healing. Come on, anybody ever ran through the sprinklers because nobody around had a pool? Anybody ever ran through the sprinklers with their floaties on? You know you're scared of the water when you're running through the sprinklers and you can't move your arms, you're just running? That was just me? Okay, okay, all right, Pacific Palisades. I grew up in San Bernardino. Didn't nobody have a pool, okay? I did. Let me tell you something. I did tell you, sidebar has nothing to do with my message. You know, I grow, you know you grew up in a bad neighborhood when somebody steals meat off your daddy's barbecue grill. <laughs> I'm going to leave that there. Somebody stole the ribs off of my dad's barbecue grill after he had put barbecue sauce. My dad went to get the ribs, and they were gone. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a little context of the neighborhood I grew up in from zero to nine. There was no pools with colonnades where I grew up. It's interesting because he gives this Jesus an excuse about this pool. There's nobody to help me get in the pool. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Isn't that interesting how the man was an invalid for 38 years, got a miracle, and the religious leaders were looking at his mat? Missed the miracle because they were looking at the fact that he was carrying his mat on the Sabbath. And is it, I, I, I hope we're careful that we don't do this to people because they're in the middle of a miracle, but you're still looking at the thing that they haven't figured out yet. And they're a walking, talking miracle. Some of y'all are a miracle because you cuss less. Come on, is anybody grateful that God made them less crazy? You ain't all the way, you just less crazy. I used to punch people, now I only slap people. Somebody praise God right now. It was an open hand, open hand. Give the Lord praise. Come on, anybody less crazy? I'm praising God because I'm less crazy. I'm praising God because I'm less stupid. Came home from conference yesterday, gave my son a glass of milk. My wife woke up this morning, found the milk in the cabinet. And it wasn't powdered milk. It was supposed to be in the refrigerator. And I woke up, she said, you know you left the milk in the cabinet. And I said, well, I'm praising God, I'm less stupid. I used to leave everything in the cabinet, the salsa, the milk, everything. Sometimes you gotta praise God because you're less. You're not, you're not fully where you want to be, but you're less. And you got to be careful religious leaders because sometimes 
you know, not, not here. That's why I love around this church because I came in here carrying a mat on the wrong day, doing stuff at the wrong time, praying the wrong way. I don't even know how to pray. And people didn't look at the fact that I still did things this way or that way. They looked, thank God, I came to a church called Oasis that looked at the fact that I was a walking, talking miracle. I wasn't where I needed to be, but I wasn't where I used to be. And right now, you are a walking, talking miracle. You put your faith in Jesus. Do you know the Bible says that angels ask questions to God about you? How in God's name could the Holy Spirit live on the inside of a person who hasn't figured it out yet, who still carries their mat on the wrong day? The Bible says angels ask God questions about salvation. How could God be so gracious to you? Who are we that God is so mindful of us, David said? You're a walking, talking miracle. You're a walking, talking miracle. You're more than a person carrying a mat. You're a miracle. And God wants somebody to hear this in here so bad that you are more than a person carrying the mat on a wrong day. And the enemy wants you to think that as a believer, you're just somebody carrying something on the wrong day, doing something at the wrong time. No, you are a miracle. And people might not recognize it, but it doesn't matter. God does. You are a walking, talking miracle. You got up this morning, you're in church, you're fighting for what you believe in, and God's saying you are a miracle. They got mad at him because he carried his mat on the Sabbath. And then they like, I bet they said it like, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat on such a day. <laughs> he was laid out, couldn't move. And that's the first thing you want to say? The law. And do you know, the law really didn't forbid him to carry his mat. They had added 39 different variations to what God originally said. All God said was don't work. So the only way he would have broken the law if he's, is if he had a job as a mat remover. <laughs> but they added to it to make themselves feel better and to make you feel worse. You ever had anybody add something on you you were never And you receive it? They added to what God said. They, they, he wasn't breaking the law, they added that. The only way he would have broke the law is he was a mat remover, but he wasn't a mat remover, he was somebody who had been healed. And they, they, they put the pressure on him. Now here's the thing. There are some things that God wants to change about us, but it wasn't that. It wasn't that. God is so gracious. He'll reveal to you in his perfect timing the things he wants to change. Right? He'll reveal in a perfect timing. Usually, people will try to tell you early. They'll try to tell you before God tells you. So I want to encourage you that God understands where you're at, and he wants to lead you to where you are going. Religious leaders in verse 12 says, who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. I love that. I don't even know when growth track is. I just know I'm healed. I don't know where to read my Bible. I don't know. I don't know where, where Ezekiel is in the Bible, but I know I've been set free. I've been delivered. I've been healed. I don't know who this was, but I know I've been healed. Some of you are in here today. I don't know what's going on, but there's just something about the worship. I don't even know if it's called worship. Was that worship? Well, whatever that is, something's going on on the inside of me. He says, I don't know who that, who that was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd. 
that was there. And then later Jesus found them at the temple and said to him, see you are well again. It makes me think when Jesus does something in my life, when he blesses me, where will he find me? Will he find me in offense, mad at someone else for doing the thing that God forgave me of? Will he find me upset? Will he find me frustrated? Will he find me at the bar? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the, with bar, but you get what I'm saying. Where will Jesus find you after your greatest miracle? Will he find you in the presence of God, worshiping him, honoring him? Will he find you there? Jesus found the man in the temple and said, see you are well again, stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. I wanna preach a message simply titled, it's, it's my turn, it's my turn. You know, when I read the Bible, there's some passages of scriptures that I have a really hard time with. Because at my core, I know God is good. I know God is awesome. At my core, everything in me wants to exalt the Lord, magnify him over my issues, over my problems. But then when I read passages of scripture, I, sometimes I get these questions that as a pastor, I don't even want to let people know that I have. And one of my questions is, why 38 years? Jesus showed up and the man had been an invalid for 38 years. Why is it there's this one thing that God seems to do in a moment and then there's this other thing that I've actually been praying for longer than that thing? Matter of fact, God, I didn't even ask you to do that thing and you gave it to me, but this thing I've been on my face for 20 years still hasn't happened. I get confused. You know, Philip and I, we got back from this healing conference and I got all fired up. I was praying for everybody who, had it, who needed healing. You had a hangnail. I'm like, Jesus formed the nail back to its original state. The nail will submit to the spirit of God. I came back like all fired up, praying for people. And I prayed for one of our team members who slipped and fell and broke her tailbone in two places. And you can ask her, she could, she could barely sit down. She was like this. Sometimes I sit down after, like that after being all day with my kids, but her tailbone was broken. She didn't have no kids. She could barely sit down, she was like this. And I prayed for her. And I was like, by the Spirit of God, in Jesus' name, quick prayer. And you know, within one minute, she was sitting down like this. Tailbone completely healed. Completely healed, never brought her any pain after that. It was unbelievable. So then I got real fired up. I start walking around like I'm Jesus, like who wants to be healed in the name of the Lord? You know what I mean? I'm like, I start walking funny. I'm like, who? You, there, young man. You know what I mean? I change the way I talk. Man, over there, red shirt. The Lord's saying that he's going. I start pointing. I was like Seely in the color purple. You know what I mean? Have you seen that movie? I was like, so Clayton, one of our team members gets outside and he has a cold and his voice is a little hoarse. And I'm like, you don't need no halls. You know who to call. You don't need a sucret because I ain't showed up yet. You know, I started like rhyming. Prayed for Clayton. This is 30 minutes after the tailbone got here. Prayed for Clayton all the way. I prayed for Clayton five times, and he went to his car hacking and coughing, and God didn't do nothing. 
I'm like, but God, you, you supernaturally healed a broken tailbone, and then I prayed for a cold with boldness and nothing? Oh, maybe I don't. Maybe her tailbone wasn't hurting that bad. And I start questioning because, like, there's this thing that God... See, what happened to me is I went to a conference and I thought in a moment God would give me a powerful gift. And God said, I am giving you a gift, but that gift is going to be a journey. That gift is going to be a journey. And I want to ask you a question. Do we only trust God in moments, not in journeys? Can God sign you up for a 38-year journey? Can God tell you when you're 10 years old that he's going to do something in your life and 38 years later you still don't have it but you're still trusting God because you believe him more from not just for moments but for the whole journey? See, when I'm at my weakest and most exhausted point, I'm only wanting God to do something in a moment. I only want him to move in a moment. God, I'm not signing up for a journey. I need you to move in a moment. I need you to do it now. I need you to show up now. Come on, by the time I got to lay on a mat for 38 years, I'm not even happy to see you. I've been laying on a mat for 38 years. I've been praying this prayer for 38 years. I've been on 38,000 auditions, and now you want to show up talking about, do I want to be made well? Jesus, do you want me to be praying? That's what I, see, you can't put me in the scriptures. He knew not to come during my time because I would have made a bad Bible verse. Do you want me to be made well? Because I've been on this map for 38 years. <laughs> asking me, do I want to be made well? Yeah. You just got here asking questions. But Jesus says in the Bible that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And you know that way is translated Journey. The way is translated journey. And I wanted to write the scripture down, but I forgot. It's in Psalms 80, 84.5. And it says what, Holly? Blessed is the man whose heart, who, who is set on pilgrimage. Woo! Blessed is the man whose heart is set on on pilgrimage. Blessed is the woman whose heart is set on pilgrimage. Blessed is the person who doesn't think that God is only good if he does it in a moment. See, we love to believe God when he does it suddenly, but we love to hate God when he says it someday. See, God does something suddenly and God does something someday. We have to learn to trust him in the journey Man, in the moment, the girl, her, her tailbone got healed. It was a suddenly. God does want to do some things in your life suddenly, but I wonder if we trust God enough for him to yell, road trip, <laughs> and we're going to the wilderness and the desert and the place you would never drive yourself. That's why we write songs like Jesus Take the Wheel, the wheel, but if I wrote a song, it would be, I should have never had the wheel in the first place. That's my song. Because Jesus sometimes wants to take us on the journey. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the journey. I'm the journey. 38 years this man laid on a mat 
waiting for the waters to get stirred instead of waiting on the Lord. Waiting on the waters to get stirred. Waiting on someone to carry him into the water instead of waiting on Jesus. See, I want to tell you, you actually be more frustrated if you're waiting for the wrong person to help you. Because they won't. <laughs> they won't. And sometimes like, God, if you could just connect me to that person, I know. If, if you could just connect me to that person, if I could just get to that person over there, then God, you would do this thing over here. And God's saying, no, don't wait for them, wait for me. Waiting for me is easier than waiting for somebody else to do something. And I get why he might have been upset because it had been 38 years that he was that way. And what's interesting about the people gathered around this pool is that they're classified in three different categories. In, in John chapter 5, verse 3, it says, here is a great number of, of, of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. They were classified in three different types of people, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And nearly every single person that I have the privilege and honor to pastor, I could put in one of these three categories. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. The blind represent the people, they just can't see what God is doing right now. They can't see God in the middle of their circumstances. They can't see God working in their family. They can't see God in their destiny, in their future. They can't see God in any area of their life. They're just having a hard time seeing. They feel like they're blind. And this is the time where you got to walk by faith, not by sight. Because God sometimes doesn't restore your vision. He makes you walk by faith. They're blind. And they say, Pastor Julian, can you pray for me? I can't see what God's doing. You know how many times someone came up to me and asked me to pray that God would give them clarity? Where in the Bible does it say God gives clarity? Can I tell you something? I'm not clear at all about what God is doing. It says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Not the staircase. The steps. And most people are not clear about what's over there, but they're clear about the step that they're on. And sometimes God in his ways only wants to make you clear on where your feet are at right now. You're in church. You're clear you're at Oasis. So let God use you here. That's what I did. I was 34 years old, and I wasn't clear on nothing. Broke, so broke, just broke. I'll just say that. I was so broke, like I couldn't pay attention. I couldn't do, do anything with the word pay in it. That's how broke I was. But I'm like, but I'm here. I have no idea. I can't see how I'm going to get there, but I can see that I'm here. I, I, don't, I can't see there, but I can see here. So I'm not going to spend all my prayer on how God can take me there. I'm going to spend all my prayer on how God can use me here. Whether I'm at Starbucks, I don't know where I'm at, but God, will you use me here? Because I can't see, I feel blind. And the second category of people that were classified in this passage of Scripture were the lame. These are the people who can see where they're going, but it's going slow. Anybody you can see. It's like what God has for you is right there. Anybody ever had those dreams where somebody's chasing you? 
I don't know, I, I'm not like a dreamer, but have you ever had that dream where somebody's chasing you, trying to run in your dream, and you're slow in your dream? And that person that's chasing you, so, and you just run in slow motion? I remember my dad, my dad, so funny, true story, my dad five years ago challenged uh, my, my, um, my cousin to a race. My dad used to be really fast. My dad said, I still got it. I said, Dad, come on, man. You, you, you might still got it. It's just not with you right now. It's in the house. Like, just come on, Pops. Don't, don't do that. And my dad took off running in perfect form. But it was the slowest thing I had ever seen. And I'm telling you, my dad took three steps, right? And I thought he was going to, like, run his form, but his hand that went in perfect form went just like this, right on the back of the hamstring, and he was, he was slow. He knew, he saw the, the finish line, we out there, he saw, but he came up lame. So he could see where he was going, but he couldn't make it there because he was injured. And see, some of you guys, you can see where God's taking you, but you're playing injured. And God wants to bring healing. Some of you are not playing injured, you're playing wounded. There's a difference between injury and wounding. Woundings will kill you if you don't fix them. Injuries just makes it harder to play, harder to move forward. So some of people in that category, and, and here's the thing, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 for the people who are slowed down, it says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, if you feel like you're lame and you're not moving quick enough, surround yourself with witnesses of who Jesus is and what he can do with someone who believes. Maybe one of the reasons he was there for 38 years is he was surrounded by sick people. Maybe it's one of the reasons you can't stop gossiping is you're surrounded by gossips. Maybe there was one of the reasons you can't overcome offense because you love to talk to people who agree with what you're offended about. When's the last time somebody did something to hurt you and you'd be like, that's cool, I let it go. And not that like low key, that's cool, I let it go, but I see you, no, no, no. <laughs> There's a difference between I let it go, I love you, and okay, I'm gonna let that go. You see the difference? You see the difference? Same sentence, but not the same thing. Like, it's like, throw that stuff off. You're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Literally, it reads Hebrews chapter 11, where all these great people did amazing things for God. And it says, if you're surrounded, therefore, since we're surrounded by a bunch of people who did it, you can do it too. So if you're surrounded by people who are not doing anything, then you miss what God could do through you. Therefore, since we're surrounded, and look what it says, throw off every weight and every sin. Some of the sins that we deal with are not about, the, when we talk about, not about us trying to judge you, it's us trying to speed you up. God's taking you somewhere, and you got this backpack full of things that God wants you to put down. So he says, throw off every weight and every sin. And it doesn't say, pray it off. It says, throw it off. Some of us are praying off something that God wants us to throw off. You just got to say, get off me sometime. When unforgiveness and shame and doubt and anxiety, you got to, the Bible says, cast your cares on Jesus. Throw them. Don't try to make it pretty like lob, like you playing back. Throw. 
cast. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. God is taking you from glory to glory, from blessing to blessing, and when he takes you here, don't pick up that old pain from baggage claim. Throw off every weight and every sin. And then the last category was the paralyzed man. Stuck. I believe God wants to bring healing. Nothing will move. God wants to bring healing. Physically and emotionally. And I ask myself this question. If everybody was there in a condition, then why didn't Jesus pick the blind man? Jesus, why won't you pick me? I can't see how you're going to work this out. Why won't you pick me and restore my sight? Because I can't see you right now. I can't see what you're telling me. I can't see where this is all going. Why wouldn't you pick me? Or the lame person that can see where God has taken them. Why wouldn't you pick me so I can get to what you have for me faster? He picked the paralyzed man. And the Bible says that all of them were laying down around the pool. Now, I can't tell you why he picked the paralyzed man because the Bible doesn't say why he picked the paralyzed man, but I can give you a suggestion. Maybe he picked the paralyzed man because even though the blind man was laying on the mat and the lame man was laying on the mat, the paralyzed man had to lay on the mat. The blind and the lame learned to. I feel like sometimes God begins his miracles with the people who have to, not with the people who have learned to. You don't have to be offended, you learn to be. You don't have to be poor, you, you, maybe you learn to get in debt, maybe God wants you to get on a budget. I'm not trying to like judge anybody, but I'm saying sometimes the miracles start with the people who actually need one. Maybe you just should just get up and you don't need Jesus to show up. I remember I went snorkeling. Is that what it's called, Philip and Holly, snorkeling? Went snorkeling with Philip and Holly, get in the water, waves crashing everywhere. It was like my Peter moment where I stepped out of the boat. And uh, I was the only brother out there. And I'm not a strong swimmer. Actually, what I do is not called swimming. It's not called drowning, but it's definitely not called swimming. And so I get in the water, I start flash, I, I start, my life flash before my eyes. I'm like splashing around. I was scared, to be honest. And I, I can't remember who it was. It was Philip or Holly. I said, Julian, stand up. <laughs> this is a true story, and I was in waist deep water. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh, frog, like, hey, 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 stand up. Isn't that what happens with our soul? Some of y'all are thrashing right now. God, I can't, I can't breathe. And God is like, stand up. Like, God, you sent me to this thing. And I just, I, I can't, I can't, somebody help me. Ah, Jesus, you got to pray for me. And God is like, stand up. deep water. There's one day God's going to put you in the deep end and the devil wants you to think you're in the deep end when you're in the shallow end. Stand up. It's not reason to believe maybe he picked that man because that man 
had to lay on the mat. Instead of, he learned to lay on the mat. And you know what I wonder sometimes? I wonder, the Bible says that the man had been there 38 years. And one day, maybe he was just sitting down and maybe it progressively got worse. And then one day, he just couldn't move anymore and he was laying down. And I wonder who gave him a mat. Somebody must have gave him a mat. He couldn't move. Somebody showed up with a mat. And maybe he just like turned around and like looked at it and was like, oh yeah, yeah, this is, yeah, okay. This is perfect. Yeah, it's great. Somebody gave him a mat instead of a miracle. And so many times we come to church, we talk to our friends, and we're not looking for a miracle, we're looking for a mat. Something that makes this pain a little bit more, yeah, right there. I don't wanna serve, I don't wanna give, I, don't, I just, right here. Never gonna get married because I can't trust men, can't trust women. I'll just stay here on this mat, and I never want to be a church that hands out mats instead of miracles. The, but I know why the mat is so attractive, because we get mats in moments and often miracles in journeys. Do you ask for advice and you're looking for a mat? The mat was laid out and he laid on it. And the crazy thing about it is he's laying on this mat and he's telling Jesus, I can't get to the pool because I have no one to help me. And Jesus did not call someone to carry him to the pool because that was not the problem. The problem was, was it that he didn't have a person. What was in between his miracle was the mat. The mat was blocking his miracle. So Jesus said, get up. Pick up your mat. So instantly, he rolls up his mat. And I believe this is what church is all about. You can find Jesus in church, but you can find Jesus anywhere. You can find Jesus in your room and have an encounter with God. Oasis Church was started. We're three years away from 38 years, and for 35 of those 38 years, Philip and Holly have been leading people not to just believe in Jesus, but to roll up their mat. And I came to this church nine years ago, and I already believed in Jesus when I came to this church. But I came to this church laying on a mat. And they said, Julian. And I said, yes, Philip. <laughs> Pick up your mat and walk. And I'm not better than you. I'm not more gifted than you. There's not much difference between me and you if you're following Jesus. There's not much difference. I know you think 
that I, God gave me something he didn't give you. There's not a difference between me and you. There's a difference between our mats. I got a mat just like you, except yours might be laid out and mine's rolled up. And I love my mat now because it's rolled up. And every temptation that I have in my life typically is around rolling out the mat again instead of relying on God. Your mat is your testimony. Your mat is your story. Your mat is what can help you recognize the mat that someone else has that they're laying on that's not yet rolled up. Don't get rid of your mat, just don't roll it out because your mat says, hey, you were in an abusive relationship, so was I. You can pick up your mat and you can walk. Hey, your dad left you. My dad left me with an unrolled mat and I had to learn to pick up my mat and walk. Your father abandoned you, so did mine. Pick up your mat and walk. Oh, you don't have money? I remember where I could hardly pay my bills and I was sleeping on a futon, but Jesus told me to pick up my mat and walk. You got an unrolled mat over here. I got one too. There's no difference between me and you. There's a difference between our mats. The Spirit of God is saying, pick up your mat and walk. The mat of marijuana, the mat of pornography, the mat of sin, pick it up and walk. See, you can't walk if you ain't holding a rolled up mat. It's a little bit cumbersome to be trying to move around and your mat is laid out because at any given moment, the enemy tries to tell you, lay your mat down and you say, no, 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 no. We all got a mat. It hides in our soul. It hides in the deep recesses of our soul that tells us we're not good enough that tells us to stay offended, that tells us to stay brokenhearted, that tells us that breakup, that guy was the one, and now I'm gonna be single forever, that tells us I'm not gonna be able to provide for my family. We all have a mat in our soul that God wants to heal right now. And, and the Bible doesn't say that the mat was 38 years old. Maybe your mat's brand new. You picked it up this week. Maybe your mat's 38 years old. I don't know. I do know you're supposed to pick it up. And it begins with allowing Jesus to address this mat in our soul that tempts us to lay down. And Jesus is saying, get up. David used to speak to his soul. He used to talk to his soul. Soul, why are you downcast within me? You got to speak over your soul. The soul is the mind, how we think, the will, how we make decisions, and your emotions. And I want to encourage you. There's where your mat is. Right there in those three things. Your thinking, your choices, and your emotions. And sometimes these things can control us and we were always meant. When you put your faith in Jesus, your spirit becomes rejuvenated, becomes new, and now your soul has the ability to submit to the Spirit of God. And sometimes we want 
God to do the miracle, and God wants to get rid of the mat. I don't know what your mat is. I just know you have one. And God wants to, to deal with that. And there's this thing. When something happens to me, I begin to speak over my soul. And I tell my soul, you will get an alignment with the word of God. My emotions are telling me I'm not good enough, but the word says opposite. Speak to my soul. Speak to my soul. I want you to lift your hands to the heavens. And I want you to take a moment to just quietly speak to your own soul. Tell your emotions they're not in charge. Tell that thought that's not mine. Get your will aligned with God's will. worship God and we're going to declare that it is well with our souls. But I just want to give you a moment with God right now, just between you and God, to just quietly speak life over your own soul.